This is a GK Media Podcast. Hello and welcome to Business Bites here on Gary Talks, where this season I'm speaking to international entrepreneurs and leaders. And this week on the show, we're heading to British Columbia in Canada, where I'm delighted to be joined by Kyle Hamilton. Thank you so much, Kyle, for joining me on the show. Thank you very much for having me. So tell our listeners about your story, because it's really interesting how I suppose you had this drive from a very young age growing up and um, just being in a situation that you didn't feel comfortable with. Yeah, so we can start all the way all the way back at the beginning before I was even born. Um, My dad was in uh, Ottawa, our nation's capital, and got into an elevator there riding the lift and uh, couldn't understand the conversation being had next to him. It was happening in French, one of Canada's official languages. And basically he got back from that trip and vowed that his children would never experience the same thing. And so uh, my parents put me into me and my siblings into French immersion. Fast forward to grade 11, I was 16, went over to France on an exchange, absolutely fell in love with France uh, in, in only three weeks time and basically made made some super good lifelong friends on that trip. Um, and there were four of us vowed that we were going to go back to France at the earliest opportunity. We all graduated high school. A couple of us weren't quite old enough. I was still only 17 when I graduated, so couldn't technically leave the country on my own. But we went, uh, did a year of university, then went over to France. And that was kind of my first real experience with failure um, and and really learning the value of not giving up. You know, I I had this vision, 18 years old, tall, young, handsome guy. Um, I was destined to get a get a job as a server, uh, wait staff, you know, on, on the Mediterranean coast. And after I think it was probably a week of handing out resumes and just getting a note, 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 um, was walking back to our hostel and I, I lit- literally had one resume left in my hand and walked past this restaurant and was just like, you know what, what's one more? No, walked in, handed the, asked for the manager, handed him my resume. He took a look at it and said, can you come back in like three hours when my dad's here? He's the owner of the place. So sure, went back, sat down with them. Um, they interviewed me and basically on the spot said, yeah, you know, can you start? on Monday sort of thing. Um, we'll have you working in the kitchen. And I kind of went, well, this is awesome. I just got offered a job, but I don't think you guys really understand. I don't know how to cook. Like I called my sister a week ago to ask her how to boil an egg kind of thing. The owner just kind of looked at me and said, you know what? You've shown enough initiative to fly halfway around the world to try and find a job in a language that isn't your first language. Like, if we can't teach you to cook in a week, teach you what we need to do, then we'll fire you. Simple as that. And so I kind of went, all right, let's do this. And yeah, the uh, trip was amazing. Um, spent four weeks, or sorry, four months on the south of France working in a restaurant in Nice. Um, to this day, my dad likes to tell his, still likes to tell his friends, I'm the only kid he's ever heard of who's gone over to Europe and called home asking how to send home money, not asking how to get money sent to him. Um, Was able to earn enough money uh, in those four months that I sent home half of what I'd earned and then traveled for four months on the other half. And so that was really kind of my initial introduction to perseverance, 
I mean, in, in perseverance in the real world, obviously, you know, school and sports and all that stuff growing up, you kind of learn about it, but um, sticking to it and, and just getting out there and getting the job done. It's very poignant as well, because, you know, you had the Great Recession after COVID and certainly in Ireland, recruitment is a big issue at the moment because we're at one of our best employment phases ever in the history of the country. And a lot of people, if they do take up a job, they're leaving it after a few days or a week because they know that they can walk out of one job and walk into another the following Monday. But the sad thing is that, you know, there's so many learnings being lost by making such a hasty decision and such a lack of perseverance as well. For sure. For sure. Yeah. It's one of those things that, you know, as an employer myself, we we, we see it over here in, in Canada as well. I'm going to say the perception that it's a, an employee's market, but really what I, I think we're starting to see now, and I don't know if it's the same over in Ireland, but that that's starting to shift. And as the recession's happening and jobs are starting to not be as lucrative as they were during COVID or just out of COVID, people are starting to realize and appreciate when they've got a, a good job. And when did you get involved in business then yourself? So I got, uh, so after, after I got back from France, I did some more traveling, fin- finished a couple degrees and I was actually on my way over to, I got accepted to law school. Um, actually I got accepted to, uh, Trinity college in Dublin and also a couple law schools in the UK and was planning on heading over, to, over that way to do a, a law degree and, during kind of my university years, I'd spent uh, a winter season or actually a year traveling to New Zealand and uh, South Pacific and then intentionally came back from one of those trips too late to go back to school that winter. And so moved actually moved here to Fernie for what was a winter. Um, got a job working at Island Lake Lodge. It's a remote cat skiing operation. Growing up, I had posters of the place on my walls um, was kind of a dream job for me, but that winter it ended up actually kind of raining more than it snowed. Okay. So the idea of being a ski bum probably wasn't going to pan out for me. Went back to school, got finished my second degree, got accepted law school, and then uh, just called my boss from that uh, that job saying, "Hey, do you have kind of a an eight week temporary position for me before I, before I go away? I'm just looking for something for short term and." She asked when I could start, fast forward, working out there. It was heaven for me. Um, you know, it was it was everything that I wanted to do and quickly realized that the reason why I wanted to go to law school was so that I could afford to come and vacation in a place like this. I love it. Uh, and uh, called my parents up, told them, you know, hey, you know what, I, I'm not going to law school this fall. I'm going to I'm going to see where where this life out here takes me. They came out uh, for a little visit. We went for a hike up at Island Lake Lodge. And you, you got to envision yourself like in the Rocky Mountains. There's nothing around. You, the lodge is situated kind of on this plateau. Down below is this pristine lake. And up above are these raw Rocky Mountain peaks. And so we do this hike, come back down, sit, uh, sit down on the patio. They've got this gorgeous patio that overlooks the lake and the lizard range. Waitress comes, takes our drink order. I push my chair back, put my feet up on the table. We're, my mom and dad and I are the only people on on the patio and turn to them and say, so what do you think of the view from my office? And uh, my dad kind of looked around, looked at me and goes, you know, it's probably not the decision I'd have made, but I totally get it. 
And uh, so that, to answer your question, that kind of steamrolled into, I wanted to be a photographer. I decided I was going to become a photographer. I wanted to get into action sports, get my photos on, become the guy who's got the posters on the next generation of kids' walls. Didn't realize how competitive the action sports photography world is. Ended up kind of finding my niche as a wedding photographer. Um, you know, I would work my butt off all summer shooting weddings to basically have enough money to afford to travel and take photos in the wintertime. That was kind of my, my introduction into the business world. And that, you know, over the years, I ran that business for 12 years. Very, very fortuitously, presciently, I, I decided that 2019 was going to be my last year of shooting weddings. Obviously, 2020 happened, nobody was shooting weddings. And so in kind of the, the intervening years, you know, I'd started a, a custom framing business and, and portrait studio. I was able to sell the framing business. Um, right around the end of getting out of wedding photography, I started a marketing agency, Burr Agency, um, working with small businesses in the Kootenays, which is the, the geographic region of BC that I'm based in. And, and over the last couple of years, kind of coming out of COVID, we've really started to expand that uh, geographically who our target market is. And um, yeah, just really learned how to run and manage a business through through life experience. What do you think you learned from your father immersing you in learning from an early age the French language to what you do today? I think probably the the most important lesson I learned from all of that is not to be afraid to learn something new and not to be afraid to expose myself to things that are different than what I might be used to. You know, the doors and the opportunities that speaking French opened to me and, th and then subsequently the ability to learn additional languages. Like I spent six months studying in northern Sweden on a university exchange. Uh, when I was working in France and Nice being so close to the Italian border and the restaurant I worked in was actually an Italian restaurant. Um, a lot of the staff spoke Italian, so I was able to very quickly pick up I wouldn't say I'm fluent or able to speak Italian, but I can I could understand it by the time I was done. And so just yeah, that that willingness and openness to to learn from other people, especially if they're from a different country or 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 culture background. And I suppose by learning more languages, you're open to more doors and opportunities for yourself as well in life. Definitely. Yeah, you know, I'm able to pick up Spanish pretty quickly then and able to travel around Central America a lot easier. So yeah, the ability to learn languages and to just have that like embedded into me and baked into my 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 upbringing certainly was a fantastic opportunity. I love as well how you know you created your lifestyle financially so you could have the lifestyle that you wanted spiritually and creatively. Yeah, you know, um, one of the thought processes when uh, when I decided to postpone going to law school, you know, I was 21 years old, really, it, you know, I'm in my early 40s now. So half of half of my lifetime ago, but um, what I kind of recognized was, I'm still young. And if they're going to let me into law school with little work experience, little life experience, there's not a lot I can do over the next year or two um, to mess that up and, and not be able to reapply and get back into it if I wanted to. Um, and the thing that I learned, I guess, really learned when I went to France when I was 18 was, you know, there's always a way. If, if there's a will, there's a way. So, you know, it might not be that coming out of school and getting that glamorous six-figure job and, you know, driving a fancy car and living in a fancy house, but 
put your nose to the grindstone, do the work, success comes. So, you know, I'm going to clean toilets and make beds for the next year or two as a housekeeper. But hey, look where I'm working. First off, people people are paying top dollar to come and just be able to hang out with in a place like this. I'm getting paid to be here. And uh, yeah, I'll just figure it out. I like it because, again, I suppose when people in Ireland, you know, you leave school at 17, 18 years of age and you decide if you're going to go to college, what course you're going to do. And it's just from such a very early age, you're supposed to have so much figured out for the next 40, 50 years of your life. Oh, I know. Like when I, when I finished high school and started university, I was going to become a brain surgeon by the time I was 32. Like I had it all mapped out and I knew exactly what courses I needed to take. Everything was laid out in front of me. I come, I come from a long line of family physicians and doctors. Like you can trace back in our family tree, there's been a, 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 an MD in every generation back to like the 1700s, I think is what my aunt figured out. My generation were the first not to have an MD. Um, but I just kind of, again, I was really young when I started university, had all these visions of, you know, being a great learner, doing everything the way it's supposed to be happen. After my first month of university, A, I was overwhelmed with like the academic level that I needed to level up to, but B, realized there's a lot more to life than doing schoolwork and getting good grades and you know, bought a lot of the most successful people in the world that we look up. You don't even have a university degree. So um, kind of reoriented my focus to I'm 17. I'm going to have a great time. I'm going to work hard and make sure I don't become a uh, what we call a Christmas graduate where the college asks you to leave uh, after okay. your first semester. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, yeah, I'm pulled through, managed managed to get my grade. I, I was failing one class that Christmas, but managed to pull through and went from a failing grade to an A grade. So, um, yeah, just recognizing really quickly that if you do the work, you will succeed. And one of the lessons that I've really learned in the, the, the next 20 years was failure is fine. Learn to fail and learn to learn to learn from your failure. You learn way more when you fail than when you succeed. I think it's probably you're you're better at it in North America in embracing failure as opposed to what we would be like in Western Europe. But it's something there's these little mottos I tell my own children, you know, and rule number three. There's only three so far. There's usually there's a rule being added every year, but rule number three that I tell them you know, every week is don't be afraid to fail. Yeah. Because, because so many people don't go off and try to do things because they're afraid if they fail. Yeah. I mean, really, there's what, what is the worst that can happen? And during the pandemic, one of the, one of the things that one of the my, my pandemic project, if you will, was learning to meditate. And I started reading um, the Stoic philosophers. And one of the lessons that I've really pulled out of that is, you know, when we're in our own mind, we're in our own mind. And that is totally different from the external reality. And uh, we spend so much time thinking about all of the possibilities, all of the permutations and all of the risks of everything. But the reality is, that's is just in our own mind. And, you know, we think that the consequences are always going to be significantly more than they actually are. So... Mm. Don't have that. If, if, the, if there's a little bit of a fear that's holding you back from chasing your dreams or trying to pursue something that you've always wanted to do, I just say, kick your butt, kick yourself on the butt and, uh, and go do it. Like, yeah, you might fall flat on your face, but 
pick yourself off, wash the mud off and keep going. People might look and laugh, but very quickly, they're going to start worrying about whatever other people are thinking of them and not worry about you anymore. Yeah, exactly. I think what was really good as well about what you did, in t- you know, having that time in the Rockies and going adventuring around different places was it, it gave you that space in your young adult life to figure out what direction you wanted to go in next. You know, so like I remember when I was in my, you know, early to mid 20s, I was working in a car park and I was doing security in a shopping center and mom and dad were happy because Gary was just earning a weekly wage and he wasn't a financial burden on them and I had a purpose and I was getting up in the morning and going to work. Now, it wasn't the ideal job that I wanted. I was grateful to have the work, but I didn't need to really be thinking when I was in that job. And it was more like a a physical sort of job uh, in spurts, but it was great because just that quietness for a couple of years gave me the time to think and be creative and figure out the journey that I really wanted to go on, not the journey I thought I might have wanted to go on when I was 17, 18, leaving school. And I think having those little breaks to do something completely different from what you may ultimately want to do is so good for you to get prepared and ready for life. I agree 100%. Like, you know, those early years at Island Lake Lodge, like I said, cleaning toilets, making beds, and then I worked a second job as a dishwasher. Very monotonous, very repetitive, very physical, as you say, but it gives your brain that time to think about, you know, is this what I want to be doing with the rest of my life? What else could I be doing with the rest of my life? How can I use what I know? You know, where is the world taking me? Where is where's my life taking me? What is What is my destiny, if you will? And definitely having those... I'm not sure what the right, what the politically correct word is these days, but those not, I guess, non-aspirational type jobs mm. um, can really help give you that space to think about what do you want to do with your life and give you the, 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 the space and the mental break to figure out the steps to put in place to achieve what you want to achieve. Yeah, because you're not in competition with anyone then, you know, yeah. so um, you, you're not having to be kind of on the ground running 100 miles an hour, looking at everyone and everything just to see that you're you're nearly leading the way. Um, it, it's a lovely, <laughs> peaceful environment to be in, really. Yeah, and, um, and the, the other really important thing that I think, or message that I think is great for your listeners, especially your younger listeners, you know, the, the people who are just coming out of college, just getting into their career and you know, when you're when you're in that early 20s phase of life like you think oh man like if i get a year or two behind my my colleagues or whatever in my career path like I, i'm never going to succeed but in the grand scheme of things like taking a year or two to travel to just do a job cuz you need to do a job to make some money but you want to do something else focus on something else once you get past your 20s and even 30s like that year or two it is a blip in the, mm. in, in the timeline of your life. And you're going to see so much more value in your career and your future um, goals by having taken that time off to explore. Because you know, once you hit your 40s, your 50s, you know, you've got a mortgage, you've got kids, you've yeah. got all these things that suddenly you don't have the, the capacity or the ability to take that time off anymore. So yeah, 
be young, be free, like live life to the fullest while you can. A hundred percent. Cause I was, this is a conversation that I've been having internally for the last week where I was thinking, wow, in my early twenties, when I was just going off doing different things, I didn't appreciate it at all because I cannot, you know, I, I'm married. I have two young kids. My wife would kill me if I just headed off for three or four weeks and just went off on an adventure. <laughs> I wouldn't get away with it. Or if I came home, the key wouldn't fit in that lock in the door <laughs> yeah. anymore. You know, there'd be a new person living in there. So yeah, embrace those opportunities. Just before we, we finish up, Kyle, you were saying that you have a marketing company now, and I'd love to hear of uh, your own thoughts of what's working in the world of marketing today. Definitely. So when we started the company, you know, we... I had a business partner at the time. He's no longer with the company. But what, what we kind of realized is for small businesses around here, and I know it's the same really around the world, what was happening when we talked to our, our my fellow business owners and friends who own businesses, you know, you're going over here to talk to somebody to build your website. You're going over there to talk to somebody to do your social media. Someone else is producing. Like, the marketing sphere is becoming very siloed and very... Um, very specialized, which on one hand is really good, really valuable. But on the other hand, if you're if you're a small to medium-sized business and you, you've got a limited budget and you're fracturing up who's taking care of what, what happens is you end up with a bit of uh, competing or, or, or non-synchronistic messaging in the marketplace. And so what our agency started off to really focus on is being a, a full-service agency and bringing everything under one roof so that your website, your social media, your blog, all of that is communicating the same message for, for our clients. And they really found that very helpful and it becomes a one-stop shop. So, you know, you're, you're not having to make four or five different phone calls to different suppliers to try and get a new ad in a paper. And that's going to match your social media campaign that you're doing. You can just come to one, one point of contact and that worked. We were really successful. We grew really rapidly in our in our geographic area. And now we're looking to expand that. We are also starting to niche down ourselves a little bit more and working more in the hospitality space. You know, given my background um, working in hospitality, that's one area that I, I feel we can really add a lot of value is helping independent hotel, resort, motel owners with their digital marketing with their their print campaigns and all that stuff. So with with the the advent of the internet and, and digital marketing seeing a major shift away from print and kind of traditional to more digital it can be can be highly effective and and deliver really high ROI for clients. And I suppose then because you're dealing with different industries there's different platforms that are more suitable to the the target. Yeah. Audience. Yeah, like what, one of the one of the key things that we always sit down with every new client is we when we onboard them is really kind of going through their branding and their identity and understanding who their target market is. Uh, you know, I, I always bring up the example of we one of the first hotels we started working with, um, asking the owner or owners, you know, who's your target audience, and they said everybody yeah. and we're like yeah okay it's i can i can guarantee you that it's not and they're like no 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 we want to we want to target everybody i was like okay do you want to target the family with the three young kids as well as the 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 motorbikers the harley riders who are going to sit outside the bedroom window 
at 6 a.m. or 10 p.m. revving their Harleys while the family's trying to sleep inside? Are, are, are you wanting both of those customers? Oh, no, no, no. We, we don't have anything against motorbike riders, but we would prefer the family. And it was like, okay, so you don't want to target everybody. You, this is the process we're going to go through, understanding who exactly your target audience is, because the more specific we can get in that messaging, the more success you're going to have. And just because you're focusing on one um, specific audience doesn't mean that anybody in that periphery or anybody seeing the message, it's not going to resonate with them. It's yeah. just speaking to a specific audience. I love how you broke it down because, again, it's something that we often get ourselves. Who's your target audience? Oh, everybody. It's like, yeah. And, and the other thing about that as well is it's amazing how many businesses out there actually don't really know who their target audience is. And that's, what, that's why every time we onboard a client, that's what we really go through is, you know, understanding understanding what what your business stands for like doing this whole brand exercise and really understand because a brand is so much more than a logo like a lot of small business owners think oh i've got a logo i don't need to do any more branding work it's like no 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 no. like your brand is everything about your business that the the world sees it's you know what what are your key messages yes there's some visual stuff like your color palettes your fonts all that Mm -hmm. stuff but um at the end of the day, like if I say the word Nike or Nike, I'm not sure how you pronounce it in Ireland, you know, everybody envisions the swoosh, but you also know exactly what you're going to get if it's got the swoosh logo on it, what it's for, what it, what it speaks to, who it speaks to. So trying to work with, work with small businesses to help them better understand their brand and their messages and how to get, how they can communicate that more efficiently and more effectively is what's going to start bringing in the right type of clients for them. Brilliant. Excellent. Well, if people want to find out more about the work that Kyle's company does, head over to their website, wearebur.com. But you can also follow Kyle Hamilton on LinkedIn. Kyle, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure.